Welcome to Kicking It with Casca, a podcast that focuses on bringing you the latest and greatest in education. Sit back, relax, and let's kick it. All right. Hello, everybody. Mal Pal here and Hannah with Kicking It with Casca. And we have two California kings with us today. Two gentlemen that I met in Austin, Texas, keeping it weird. And we met at Aska at one of the parties. So, you know, it's always good when you meet party people. So this is my good friend, John Hayek, and also Michael Garcia. Welcome, gentlemen. Hi there. We Hi. love having you. So John, let's start off with you. Tell us a little bit about you, what you do, who you are. Sure, sure. So I am a California native. Um, I currently am the assistant principal for academics here at Santa Margarita Catholic High School in South Orange County. Um, my role includes uh, overseeing the council, the school counseling department, as well as our college counseling department. And um, I also do a lot with our teachers in forms of, uh, you know, quality instruction and um, oversee the curriculum council here, which includes all of our department chairs and directors. I oversee our auxiliary studies program, which is our equivalent to uh, students with learning differences. Um, we have about 150 students on campus um, in that role. And um, that's pretty much the, the main thing. And then of course, just provide uh, support to our principal in all things um, administration. That's awesome. And everybody, John has the coolest glasses on right now. So yeah. just throwing that out there too. I'm loving this. So they're building my self-confidence. Thank you. <laughs> we love it. That's what counselors do. Yes, we cheer yes. people on. All right, my man, Michael, what's up, man? How's it going? We're so glad you're here. Hey, tell us about you. Yeah, so this is my second year as a school counselor. Um, I'm also a California native. Uh, prior to this, I was teaching third graders. Prior to that, I was teaching high schoolers. So I've kind of been all over the, the field. Um, I got into education as a custodian. And then a few years after that, I got, I got a job uh, working with special education. Um, and then from there, it just kind of bloomed. It blossomed into something great something that i'm really you know grateful for that wow. is so did, cool i want to know how did you make that jump we go from custodian right. to teaching awesome i love it but yeah. what made you decide to do it um so like i had a passion for english and I, it's kind of funny it takes me back to my baseball days i remember sitting there and my my life goal was to play professional baseball and I'm sitting there with my coach from New Mexico Highlands University. And he's like, you have to pick a major. I'm like, anything, anything that involves writing and reading, I'm all for. So he's like, great, English major. So I went to my first English class and I was like, oh, this is amazing. I love it, fell in love with this. I, like, I want to teach English. I actually got injured and came back home to California. I was just like, now I need to find a job. I don't know what to do. I started applying everywhere, all over the place, found EdJoin, really, really resourceful. And I applied to be a, um, a custodian. Got into a custodian after a few years, went into special education, um, you know, because I actually worked, I volunteered uh, with kids that had like, um, you know, uh, disabilities at our youth organization for baseball. Wow. So like that was really special to me. So I was just like, you know what, let's let's kind of just combine the two, like education and everything. I know there's like a huge feel for that. So I got into special education and then I was just like, I still want to pursue teaching. So that's when I started working with high school kids and then um, just building that report with the principal as well. 
And he went over to an elementary school and he was like, hey, we need a teacher. I put in that request, got it. It was day and night, day and night. <laughs> Had to learn Just some new bit. skills there. A little then, bit of difference. <laughs> um, right, right. And I decided to go back and get my, my PPSC. So now here I am. <laughs> so that's cool. So this is your second year as a counselor at the high school right. level. Correct, Very yes. Cool. That's awesome. And John, you are in charge of the counselors. Is that what I hear as well? Yeah. So my job over the years, so I was a public school assistant principal for 10 years before I moved, made the change to private school. Um, in public school assistant principal, 80% of the job is what I call cracking skulls. And so it's behavior, right? It's, it's, it's like counseling, right? But you're working with the kids who uh, are struggling to behave and, and uh, conform to the society uh, of a school. And so I didn't, I didn't mind that so much, except I really loved February of, this, of the public school year because that was evaluation time and that was coaching time. And that was getting into classrooms and seeing great things and seeing not so great things then be able to coach with the teachers. So I think it was, it, it was also like, it's also teaching, which I missed. So I taught English for eight years before I went into admin. And so getting a taste of that teaching every February felt really good about, well, when I made the transition to private school, my job, my first job here five years ago was assistant principal for faculty and instruction. So my sole purpose was to coach the teachers, hire, evaluate and coach. And it was the best ever. We have deans who take care of the discipline and the other side of that. So that's how I started here. And then about two years in, um, we had uh, the assistant principal for academics and curriculum left the school and they combined my job with his job, which I was happy to do for a lot of reasons I won't get into, but I felt like the needed to be the same person. It was because the jobs cross over so much, despite the extra work, it was like, it needs to be the ex the same person, but then I hired a coach. So I'm like, you just coach, I'll evaluate and do all the like the higher level work in terms of when things don't go well, right? But you be their friend, you be their coach, and that was great. So, um, so now I was sort of moving away from those responsibilities of instruction, and then I'm I'm over the counseling department, and then as you guys all know, through COVID and all of the changes and things and the mental health crisis counseling, school counseling blew up. In the same time, we transitioned to this college counselor model. So we have, we currently have seven school counselors that specifically work with kids in the academic and social emotional um, area. And that just touch on a little bit of college counseling for the freshman and sophomore year. And then our team of college counselors steps in in December of the junior year and takes them through the search, the, the application and the admissions process. So yeah, I, I oversee those two groups. And then we have a whole other wing of wellness folks that I don't necessarily oversee, but obviously we work very closely with. So John, am well, I hearing this correctly that you have counselors that are just for social emotional needs and then you have counselors that are for career? College, yeah, college and career. Yeah. So cool. Yeah, we're two, years, awesome. we're two years into it. Yeah, we're two years into it. And we're, uh, it's, it was a vision for a long time, but our, our, um, you know, with like, again, it's just our answer to the need. And we went through a really tough time, like everybody did, but we had a mass exodus two years ago, yeah. right, when, when Michael was hired. And it was a blessing in disguise because it really almost just hit the reset button for our whole program. And despite, you know, I, I would never like wish that on anybody that you would have eight counselors leave in a year, 
but the folks we brought in like Michael and the other folks and the folks that are still here, the two uh, have just gelled and, and really worked well together. So it was a tough road, but you could see like the end result was going to be good. And, and that's where we're sitting today. So we're happy with that. That is so, that is so that's so great. And having that administrative um, support from you and your other um, workers, that's fantastic. And John is so cool. And Michael is so cool that they came together to the American School <laughs> Council Conference. Not very many educate or excuse me, administrators, principals do that. So right. I'm so glad that you took the time to do that with your counselor. I tell you, I was surprised in a lot of the sessions when they would say, you know, who's a counselor? Of course, everybody raised their hand. And then who's admin? I just kind of, you know, look around. Me. I, you know, out, a lot of, it's not, it's not, and it is out of support for our team, but it's also out of like, I'm an English teacher by trade. Like I got my degree in English and my master's in education. Like I don't have the PPS, you know, that Michael has. I, I lean on these guys all the time. So I just see myself as kind of a facilitator in here. This, this Michael and this team are so awesome at what they do. I would never like step in and, and you know, and, and think that I, I'm able to um, teach them something other than in the realm of education, you know, but I leave the counseling and that expertise to them because they're so good. So. I That's love awesome. That. Sounds yeah. like a lot of trust, professionalism, and just communication. I think yeah. those are some three key components for sure. I love that. Can you guys speak to the counselor principal relationship a little bit? I know sometimes as counselors, we just gel with our principal. It works out wonderfully. Other times we uh, struggle to figure out what's the balance. What's your job? What's my job? Um, Sometimes it's clear cut. Um, But could you guys speak to a little bit of how you make that work so well? Yeah, I'd, I'd be happy to. I think, you know, the key component for sure is just like, communication, collaboration, and like having that open door policy where John can come to me, I can go to him. Um, You know, it's very rare that we don't see eye to eye. That's between like all of us counselors and uh, John as well. Usually we're really good at running ideas off of each other. Um, Every Tuesday we have meetings where we'll get together for um, probably about 90 minutes. We'll get, you know, we'll have like 90 minutes set aside, but we hardly ever use a full 90 minutes and just kind of bring up like, you know, concerns or situations that are going on throughout the week. How can we address these situations? And, you know, John's, John's really good about running ideas through us, um, you know, and just being there to support us. So it just feels really, it, it feels, you know, it feels like, I don't, I don't even know how to explain it other than just really supportive because like when you don't have a strong relationship, um, you know, with your supervisor, things can get rocky, you know? So it's just like, when we don't see eye to eye, it's like, all right, let's sit down, let's talk this out and see how we can get to the bottom of this situation. And I think both of us are really good about just, you know, trying to understand each other's um, viewpoint. Yeah. And John, oh, go ahead. Oh, I was just gonna say, it's it's definitely not easy though. Um, You know, like I said, I went through a, a really rough, time where people were leaving, you know, for a variety of reasons, no one's going to tell me to my face, it's me yet. I'm going to take it personal. Right. And so, um, the world was crumbling around me. And, and again, let's say there was eight, four of them were COVID related. The other four were, you know, money related or, and one was relationship related, something like that, you know, but nonetheless, it's still a blow to the ego to watch your team just fall apart around you. And everyone on the outside doesn't know what's going on inside here, you know? And so, and I think a lot of that, there was a big shift when I literally, my office is right in the middle of all of them. 
and and it wasn't always this way for be, with the school. It used to be that I was in a different section of the building with my assistant, and all the counselors were over here together. And I think my move over here was not well received. It was seen more of, oh, he's here to keep an eye on us. He's here to see when we come and go. He's here to see if we're working or not. And like these guys now know that that couldn't be further from the truth. Like I keep my little window to the office open so they know that I'm working. Like it's not, it's not the <laughs> other way. You know, they know I don't have my feet kicked up on the desk or, or I'm in here chatting it up with somebody, a teacher or a friend or whatever. So it's funny. I always tell them like, my window's not open so I can see you guys. It's so you guys can see me, you know? And so we, we do, we struggle with that. But one of the things I'll, I'll tell a quick story about Aska, because um, one of the counselors here brought this up to me in her evaluation at the end of the year, last year. And she just said, you know, if there's any way I can be critical, it's, it's the, uh, when we have to, we have to enforce the policies of the school, like there's no teacher changes. You cannot come in here and change a request a teacher change. Well, eventually, if that parent is um, persistent enough, they'll get to me, and then we might end up making a teacher change, right? For a variety of reasons, private school reasons, whatever it is, there might be a time, there are times when we allow, it, it might be a mental health reason that the person wasn't forthright with in the beginning, and then we do some checking, we do some things. So bottom line is it happens, and they all know what happens. So Lisa was like, you know, that's hard to swallow sometimes when we're sitting here being the bad guy, and then they get to you, and then you make the, so I'm like, yeah, you're right, and I know that was a problem before, it just has never really been told to my face, where I'm like, yeah, we got to do something, so at ASCA, I raised my hand in one, in the principal counselor relationship session, and I said, hey, what, what do I do about this, what is your advice for this question, and interestingly enough, the person next to me was a district coordinator for somewhere, I don't remember where, Nevada or something, and I said, what do I do in that situation? And the person next to me like chimed in. She goes, don't do it. And I'm like, that's easier said than done. Like you don't work in South Orange County where, you know, these people are bringing millions of dollars into the school kind of thing and, and all kinds of other issues. So, uh, the, but the moderator had some good advice and to put it in a nutshell, the advice was make the counselor part of that decision. So at least they feel like, they were they, they they come out as as a team. We made this decision, and the person, the kid, and the family see that that counselor was part of that decision too. In other words, the counselor had a change of heart, and rather than counselor said no, because that's only going to make my life worse, right? They're going to now they're going to come to me every time and not go back to their counselor. So that was a big learning thing, and I think goes a long way. And and Michael knows, you know, that I I've learned from that, and it's like, hey we're going to do this, but I want you as part of the, the conversation and the decision to make the change. Absolutely. And to add to that, like we recently had a student that literally, like that situation literally just happened last week. And, you know, I think the biggest concern for me, like uh, my, my first year as a counselor was like, I got into this profession to help kids and like, you know, be that listening ear, that trusted adult on campus and like that best friend, but, you know, also like that adult figure. Um, and it just felt like, you know, we're supposed to be that person on campus, yet, you know, without that communication that first year, it kind of felt like that was also being stripped away from us. So when I had this situation happen last week with John, it was just a huge relief. And it was just like, you know, being able to have that open communication, that collaboration, and, you know, seeing those seeing that family walk away with a smile on their face because we got to the root of the problem. Um, 
it just felt like it was a winning situation for everybody. Well, and I think too, you know, on our other podcasts and as educators, we know this, it's all about relationships, mm. relationships with kids, relationships with parents, relationships with your stakeholders and your staff. Mm. And you both have just explained how important that is and the key compo- components to that. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. you are practicing that, John, as the leader. So way to go, man. Absolutely. So I, get, I think we also learned, you know, we talk a lot about the message that goes to that family that got their way. And that is you, we wouldn't say this, but you know, you got your way or you, you were afforded the opportunity to change your class, your elective or your teacher because of these reasons. So that when they go out and start telling their friends or their peers that they, Mr. Garcia changed my class, the answer is going to be no. Well, you know, if it's a confidential thing, obviously we don't share, but it's like, oh, there were three things here, reasons. Does your story match that story? You know, and, and um, so it's, it's, it's important to do that as well because, you know, we've got other people who are like, hey, we got to walk the line here and, and make sure we enforce the rules. Absolutely. Very good. And then also, um, John, when we talked and Michael, when we talked at ASCA, you guys had a lot to talk about with the brain and with learning yeah. and at the high, yeah. high school level. What can you add with that piece from your point of view? So I wish I could speak to this as somewhat educated, uh, but I'm just going to tell you a little bit about these conferences called Learning in the Brain. Um, if, I don't know if you guys have looked into them at all, but I pulled up the website. The website is literally learninginthebrain.com. So every year they do three conferences, one in Boston in November, uh, San Francisco in February, and New York in April. So I've been to San Francisco, I want to say twice, and I've been, I was in Boston this past November. Um, and having gone to lots and lots of education conferences, like if I could only go to one every year, I would choose one of these three. Um, this year, the topics are teaching struggling brains, teaching behaved brains, and teaching social brains. And so like the sub subtext of that first one is improving mental health, focused motivation, and learning in a distressed digital generation. Like doesn't that just sound great? And then the yeah. second one is strategies for challenging disruptive behaviors, autism, ADHD, and executive function. And then the third one is strategies to improve social cognition, cooperation, and belonging in the classroom. So they're very heavy on the science. Like I know I took two counselors this past year in November, and um, you know, you're you're just you're it's engaging, but you're also like blown away. Like I don't even know like how to process, like I have an entire notepad here from that last conference, just like, just like when, how, and I like go back with a highlighter and try to pull out the nuggets, you know, because it's like those conferences you go to and you like come home with like two things after spending three days, which is fine. I mean, a lot of times there are two applicable things that you can do, but this, this is just so like rich and you just want to like scream from the rooftops, like, Hey, everybody, like, look what I just learned, or you got to hear this, you got to see this. Um, So I just highly recommend these to counselors and teachers, um, especially if you're just like a lifelong learner and you'd like soak this stuff up. Um, And it was just, it's just really great. And it is um, federal funds can, can um, sponsor this as well. So I don't know if you guys have ESSA, do you have ESSA funds or what used to be No Child Left Behind? We do. And then we also have um, ESSER funds from COVID. Uh So yeah. Yeah, so we that's what we use because it, it's a little pricey. Uh, of course, the travel is, but the conference itself is is like I mean, it might it might be nine hundred dollars or seven fifty for early registration. But 
Um, anyways, well worth it. Um, tell your principals and, um, you know, take them with you. Well, maybe you need to be the California spokesperson for this conference because I want to go now. Right? And I love that. I mean, it sounds like you're always going with your counselors. I love that. Like, what a great way to help them feel valued. And like, let's do this together. Like, be that team. I think that that's just phenomenal. I'll tell you what, you know, ASCA threw a great party. NACAC, the college counselors, they can party. Like, I just got to tell you, it's it's a rivalry. And <laughs> Dang I, it! I really shouldn't go to both every year. Like, I I don't know. I didn't go to Vegas with the. Uh, uh, did you go to Vegas? Yeah, <laughs> sure did. You you'll love this story, and I've talked about the midst of the um, <laughs> the difficult time here. All five counselors I sent to Vegas quit uh, within the, the 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 month after that trip. Did yeah, they start because so they won too much money? I think oh, they yeah. went. Money. Yep. I think they went and commiserated. So, um, oh, yeah. But anyway, that that's uh, but the, no, those are they're both great um, organizations, obviously. So, John, in attending these learning in the brain conferences, do you have a couple tidbits that you were just? I mean, I know you have a whole binder right now, mm -hmm. or you know, notepad of things. Do you have a couple things that you could just share with us? Just little tidbits yeah. that you were just yeah. kind of blown away about, from. Yeah, I would say uh, I'll give you a couple names and things. Um, yeah, a guy, a, guy, a guy named Judson Brewer. It's just like it sounds, Judson Brewer. Um, it, it, the last one in Boston was all about teaching the anxious brain. Um, so it was all about uh, you know teaching kids with anxiety um, and, and talking about looking at what the feeling is instead of why the feeling. So I think teachers, especially in a classroom, want to know why this is all going on. But if they spent their time more around the what and what's the result, what are the consequences and what are the um, what are the uh, signs of, of anxiety? Um, there's a lot of talk about I'll give you, uh, Nancy Hill from Harvard. Um, she talks about the end of adolescence and how it's just sort of we're just like skipping over that whole period at this point. Um, she talks about mentoring today's reimagined re mentoring and how mentoring becomes a little bit different now. Um, she has some some um, she had some interesting data about going back to 1939 and the kids that how how was it something to do with like the number of uh, young adults living with their parents in 1939 is the same as today, but it it really dipped between them. And now it's back up to the same as it was. And that's just an interesting thing to kind of ponder. Um, so, I mean, I'll throw out a few more names. Um, Jack Naglieri, N-A-G-L-I-E-R-I. -E He's got a website of the same name. Um, again, um, again, about the anxious brain, uh, an executive fun He's an executive functions guy. So, I mean, I could go on there. There's, and then I'll, I'll just tell you about two well, there's another thing called making caring common through Harvard, and that's something that uh, Michael's familiar with here a, a little bit that we use. Um, uh, we use some of their resources, but it's worth looking into. They have great surveys and great ideas for um, things like relationship mapping. Um, but but Glenn from Making Caring Common goes to these conferences and presents. And then the last one I'll mention um, is Challenge Success uh, through Stanford University. And we've been a, a challenge success school for the last um, three or four years. And um, one of the things that challenge success does is try to redefine that 
pathway and what it means to be successful for kids, um, especially coming out of a school like Stanford. Um, they really are interested in addressing achievement culture. Um, so if you have schools like that or students like that, um, we certainly, as Michael knows, that's uh, definitely our, our plague here, if you will, that we have a lot of kids who are driven to get the A's, get into the right, the high level college, and um, they don't know any different. Very cool. What a wealth of knowledge we have right here. I love it. I know. I'm going to have to Google all these things. <laughs> I know. I kind of want to go now. I'll send you some more via email. Yeah, that would Perfect. be great. We can put that in the show notes. Yeah. Absolutely. Awesome. Very cool. All right, gentlemen, we're almost to the end of our time here, but Michael, as a counselor that lives and works in California, what advice do you have for high school, middle school? elementary counselors from your point of view, from your second year counseling, coming from being a custodian, coming from being a teacher? Um, my biggest thing is just being patient with the students. You know, half the time, a lot of these students know that they have, they have something that they want to address. They have something they want to talk about, but it's all about, you know, framing, framing that specific topic. So just kind of being patient with them, relating to the students, um, and the biggest thing is just advocating for them, making them, making them and the families know that it's not about choosing sides. It's just like, hey, I'm here to do the right thing for you so you can be sex successful here. Um, and I want you to feel comfortable on campus. I, I want you to, you know, to reach your dreams, reach your goals and whatever. And as John was saying earlier, um, you know, we have a lot of students here, especially international students that want those A's you know, they want those A's, they're not going to get into their dream school without those A's. And like, sometimes that, that hard conversation is, but a B is okay. Like a B is perfectly fine. You're like at the right spot, you know? And because when you ask these students, like, have you gone to academic period? Have you talked to your teacher? Nine times out of 10, it's always a no. So, you know, it, it's not that, you know, it's, I understand that, you know, most of the topic, most of the subject, but what are you doing to like further that education for yourself? So just advocating for them and guiding them in the right direction and trying to have them see from your point of view, um, which they won't do immediately, but they might do years down the road. You know, um, that's the biggest thing for me. <laughs> well, and no, having them know it's okay to ask for help. Yeah, okay. that's oh, what yeah, you're definitely. So yeah, I think we do a really good job at SM um, making us making counselors. You know. Um, stand out and just say hey talk to your counselor we're located in the s building a lot of the students especially our um freshmen our incoming freshmen they already know who their counselors are they're they're well informed with aries and everything they're like i walked in the health seminar classroom presentation yesterday and my first question to the students are who knows your counselor and about like i'd say 90 percent of the room already raised their hand which is huge because last year awesome. you know, with like seven brand new counselors or six brand new counselors, um, nobody knew. Nobody knew the counselor. <laughs> well, that means you're doing your job. Nice yeah, job. Yeah. And you're doing it well. You're right. out there. You're not sitting with your feet, you know, up on your desk eating bonbons. So way right. to go. Good job. Okay. And then we also um, end with some fun questions. But All before right. we do that, Michael, John, do you guys have anything else to add to your amazing things that you've already shared? I'll say 10 seconds of something, uh, you know, just moving forward, 
our focus this year is teaching mindfulness and resilience. Mm. So I think the resilience thing was not my idea, but I heard it in a presentation that a group wanted to come in and, and work with us. And I thought perfect timing because we've sort of put all these support systems in place, but now we, we got to make sure we don't leave that resilience piece out because the students can't just operate knowing someone's there when they fall. They have to operate knowing they need to try to be resilient first and get through the issue. And then if they fall, we're there. But I, I thought that was genius and I'm really excited to do that this year. I think resiliency is a great one too. For, I mean, we've just bounced back from, yeah. I mean, we're still in COVID, but it's right. like, this is just a good time. And right. that's what we've kind of talked about as a building too, is that resiliency and grit and pushing through because sometimes I think kids don't know how to do that and yeah. just a great topic to go over. So I love that. Yeah, most definitely. Absolutely. One questions. Okay. We talk a lot about uh, perseverance too and yeah. the kids. Oh yeah. It's awesome. So fun. So I love that. Okay. Fun question. Michael, this is for you. Fun fact, Michael is a very talented photographer. That's one of his side hustles. Mm. <laughs> so Michael, if you could go anywhere to take pictures, be a photographer, where would you go and why? Ooh, I have I have this goal of going to Finland in the winter and getting uh, one of those glass igloos for mm -hmm. like a week straight. And then over over the glass igloo, you have the Aurora Borealis. And um, I think my girlfriend and I are kind of looking into uh, tickets for next next year. So we'll see wow. how that out goes. <laughs> That's awesome. What a That's great so answer. Cool. Yeah. Very cool. Awesome. All right, John, your question. If you could play one game at a casino. Oh, geez. Where would you go? What game and what, where would you go to that casino and why? Man, I, I, I wish I, I would play poker for sure, but I'm not, not a, by any means a poker player. I just think that poker is cool. So if I, I, I want to be cool, so I would get really good at <laughs> poker and I would go to just the, the coolest uh, casino in Vegas, but I'm just not a Vegas guy or a poker guy. So I mean, but I, I do have a desire to be cool. So I would, I would learn, learn, I would poker it up. You're there, oh. man. You graduated. Yeah. You went that's, to that's different than my answer. My, my answer is Uno or Go Fish. <laughs> <laughs> I played a really good game of Guess Who today. Nice. So that's a good one. If we could do a casino of like kid games, for sure, Uno yeah. Fish. Yeah absolutely well gentlemen thank you so much thank you for taking time out of your day with the yeah, time difference you. you guys rock thank you for kicking it with us today if you'd like to stay connected be sure to hit that subscribe button on spotify or apple